now. Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello, good morning and welcome from me, Ali Bali, to Scotland's Talking. On the programme today, I want to hear your experiences of hospital car parking and what you think should be done to fix it. I'm seeing elderly people pushing elderly people up hills, looking quite stressed because they're in a hurry because no doubt they've been searching for a car park for ages. That's what one NHS nurse is telling us. The Scottish stories think there's a crisis and say it's time for a national review. It's at almost every hospital site across Scotland where patients, staff and visitors are finding it almost impossible now to park. And after 11 o'clock, we're going to be talking about exams for taxi drivers. Glasgow is going to start testing them on how well they know the city and their customer service skills. But is it something that we should have across the whole of Scotland? I'd also like you to call in if you've switched the party you supported in European elections. Alistair Campbell did and then got kicked out of the Labour Party. I don't believe I've voted against the Labour Party. I believe I've voted in the best interest of what the Labour Party should be doing. And how safe is your wheelie bin? 500 a year are being stolen in just one council area in Scotland. Could it have anything to do with the changes to the frequency of collections? It's all about opinions and I'm looking for yours. Here's the telephone number, 033-2020-401. Music and conversation for a Sunday morning. This is Scotland's Talking. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Starting off this morning with hospital car parking. Now, if you've been a patient or you work for the NHS, what's your experience? Maybe you live near a hospital and your street is absolutely jammed up with cars belonging to people using the hospital. The Scottish Tories say it's time for the Scottish Government to launch a nationwide review. They say the situation's reached crisis point and there are simply not enough spaces. We'll hear from the politicians in a moment, but first, here's what one nurse who's worked at the Royal Alexandra Hospital in Paisley for 10 years told us about the situation. When I came in for my late shift at the back of 12 or say 12 o'clock, literally jam-packed everywhere. There wasn't an inch to be found most days. The cars were dangerously double parked in the car park. They were dangerously double parked on the road, the, the entrance hill. They were at times parked across the zebra cross at the top of the hill or fully on pavements. So that was really dangerous and quite stressful for somebody coming into your shift. You're already zooming around the car park trying to get in for your shift. And at that time, there was no point trying most at the back at the staff area. There was just none. You had to just take your chances at the front and try and get a parking space there. Most days I ended up having to double park or I would just abandon in the safest area I could, closest to the hospital, because when I leave at 10 o'clock at night, it's pitch black, there is lots of people hanging around the hospital and the car park near the bus stops and I wouldn't really like to have to walk further afield at 10 o'clock at night. I'm horrified to see people when I'm perhaps Going round the car park looking for a car parking space, I'm seeing elderly people pushing elderly 
people up hills and wheelchairs because they're taking their husband, wife, blah, 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 um, up the hill looking quite stressed because they're in a hurry because no doubt they've been searching for a car park for ages. Likewise, I'm in the car park and I see old you know, vulnerable people as well, old people, very stressed, trying to find the parking space. So first and foremost, I definitely think they, the relatives, the patients, should have access to a car park that's got enough space for them coming and going at the appropriate times. Miles Briggs is the Shadow Health Secretary and spoke to our political correspondent Alan Smith for Scotland's Talking. As an Edinburgh MSP, I have people contacting me at the minute on a daily basis, especially NHS staff, about the problems at parking at ERI here in uh, Lothian. Um, but I know from colleagues and MSPs and MPs across Scotland that this is not just an Edinburgh issue, it's at almost every hospital site across Scotland where patients, staff and visitors are finding it almost impossible now to park, um, to visit or to get to their work um, or to go to an appointment and that's something I want to see addressed. Is it just looking at a lack of space then? Is this a big problem? Well, it's, it's a whole round issue. So what Scottish Conservatives are calling for is the Scottish Government to undertake a national review of parking because it's quite clear that we need to put together um, a long-term solution for our hospitals um, to make sure that they function properly. And, and one of the key parts of that is people being able to actually get to them and park their car. So I think it's, there's a number of issues. Firstly, it is about parking spaces. It's quite clear that as we've centralised and the Scottish Government have centralised a lot of services to hospitals we have not seen the additional parking space provided uh, for those services so I think we need to look towards more innovative solutions around that Um, car sharing is something we're taking forward but as things stand at the minute for ERI certainly and staff who are travelling to that hospital um, some of them from West Lothian and the borders um, there isn't the parking available for them so they can't really uh, do their job to the full capacity and be able to park there at the times when um, NHS management are expecting them to so part of this campaign then is a, is a consultation exercise, I guess, is, is trying to hear from people, I'm guessing it's both staff and patients you want to hear from. Well, what I hope to do is, um, with the petition we're launching, um, which will look towards basically asking people to support our call for a national review of hospital parking in Scotland, um, to really gather support from everybody in Scotland for that petition, and then to look towards how we can influence uh, the Scottish Government to make uh, forward, to, to bring forward the changes we need to see, and for health boards to really see this as the priority, which it is. And I think that's one thing MSPs from all parties must be getting a lot of correspondence on this and not looking towards how we actually resolve this. This is something I think um, is not beyond us to take forward a solution um, for people who work in our NHS, um, patients and their visitors. And that's something I think for too long we've ignored. Alan also spoke to Health Secretary Jean Freeman to get her response. I've yet to see the data that would justify a review into parking. I I do think the uh, Scottish Conservatives have a bit of a cheek. You know, we abolished car parking charges uh, a number of years ago. uh, And with the exception of PFI hospitals, which of course was a way of paying for uh, public capital that the Conservatives supported, uh, where we can't intervene Uh, and reduce and remove those charges, then the situation with car parking across Scotland has significantly improved for both patients and for staff. That said, there are areas, pockets, where we've got particular issues and we are actively working with those health boards to do two things. One, to increase the number of spaces where that is possible within planning regulations and the available land. And two, to introduce more restrictions so that the people who are in those car parks um, should be in the car park because they're either a patient 
uh, or they're a member of a staff. And in some, we see that people park there but then go off into town and do other things. And that's really an abuse of a, an important facility. So where there are difficulties, we're looking at that. But right now, I really think the Conservatives have got a lot more to worry about than sheer hypocrisy when their own UK government still permits charging, uh, has refuses to stop it, and half their hospitals down south charge for blue badges as well. Part of the, the argument the Conservatives are making, are they, they say there's been so, many, so much in the way of health services being centralised that where services have been centralised to a hospital, for example, there's not been any additional capacity in car parking space. So is that potentially a problem when you move services, more services to one site, yet there are not as many spaces to deal with it? It's certainly a factor that needs to be taken into account, but of course um, they're also ignoring the fact that more and more healthcare provision is being provided in the community. But where, for example, in St John's, there is a need for additional car parking spaces, then the Health Board has acted to provide that. And when they're looking at the new elective centres that are being built, then they're also, as part of looking at the building, they're also looking at what car parking is needed. So, what would you do to fix it? As you heard Jean Freeman saying, 10 years ago, the Scottish Government scrapped charges in hospital car parks, except for three where there's a contract with private companies. Is it time to think again and bring back parking meters? What are your thoughts? Is this something that affects you? Are you a member uh, of a hospital? Do you work there? You know, does that cause a problem trying to get parts, as we heard from one nurse? What about streets round about the hospital um, where there are parking charges? Um, I'm looking at one, for instance, thinking of Nine Wells Hospital in Dundee. You pay to get in there, so the staff clog up all the streets round about rather than pay for the car parks. Uh, but you can normally get in. You know, patients can get into a car park. They maybe have to go around a couple of times, but you do get in. If that was to be abolished, the charges, I mean, which there's always a campaign on to get that done, then staff and stuff would just go and park there. And uh, as as someone was saying, I think it was Miles Briggs talking about, um, uh, no, it was Gene Freeman talking about people leaving their cars and just getting the bus into town, and which is not what it's there for. But what can be done to fix it. Because if they if they decided, you know, that this hospital is needing more car parking space, then surely that's more money that's going to have to be spent and to spend that, that's money that's not going directly into uh, patient care. What are your thoughts? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. If you've got an experience of this, love to hear from you. Is is it right? Is it a real problem? Uh, as according to uh, the Conservatives who are asking for a review on this is is it is there something going on that needs to be looked at or not? What are your thoughts? O treble three twenty twenty four o one is the number. John, good morning. A oh, very good morning and a drink day again, Ali. It's always a drink day on Sundays, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it being too sunny because people go out then. So Correct. right. So what are you on about then? Parking. Well, recently, recently, yes, parking. I recently came out of Nine Wells Hospital one of the fantastic hospitals in Scotland, one of many, and uh, the staff are fantastic, uh, nurses, doctors. Get on with but it, John. Make your point, John. The car parking area surrounding Nine Wells Hospital is chock-a-block with cars. That's what it's meant to be. It's a car park. No, the thing, the thing is, to stop the car parking charges, 
the government of the day should take that away completely. Utility companies taken over and changed their names every month, allegedly. Let's look towards and tell the government enough's enough. Hospital staff going there have to do a long shift. Good nursing staff. Why should they be subdated? And also patients and hang people. Hang on, hang on a minute, in. John. Hang on, John. Hang on. So th- this is totally different what we're talking about, but I- I'll-, I'll go with it at the moment. You're talking about the parking charges that are in place at Nine Wells Hospital, right? Correct. That's, and-, and you don't agree that they should be there? I don't agree at all. They Why? should be removed, Why? Dolly. Right, okay. What is the difference between someone working in a hospital, whether it be a nurse or an admin assistant or whoever, than someone working at a shop in the city centre? If they work in a shop in the city centre or an office in the city centre and they take their car to work, they have to pay for car parking. Why shouldn't staff in a hospital pay for car parking? What is the, why do we have this thing that the nurses shouldn't pay for car parking? Why not? Well, let's watch this space, Ali, as we so you, say. So you don't, have an, you don't have an answer then, do you, John? I have an answer. Do away with the car parking charges, OK? <laughs> You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. So we're talking hospital car parking. If you've been a patient or you work for the NHS, what's your experience? Oh, treble three, 2020 401 is the number to give us a call on. John's in East Kilbride. John, good morning. Good morning, Ali. Morning, John. Right, what's your thoughts on this then? Uh, I'm a paraplegic in a wheelchair. Uh, and obviously I go to hospitals and I need disabled parking bays. Mm-hmm. And they're increasing later on this year the amount of people that qualify for blue badges uh, that don't need physical disabilities uh, to, to qualify. So we'll need far more disabled parking bays. Uh, parking bays, disabled parking bays, take up more room, obviously, mm-hmm. than normal parking bays. Uh, but the likes of myself, I can't get in and out of the car unless I've got a disabled parking bay. Where there's other people with other disabilities who maybe can't walk far, need a parking space near where they're going, uh, whether it be a hospital or elsewhere, but only need a normal-sized parking bay. So what I was wondering is, is it feasible to have a two-tier disabled parking bay? Uh, one, for people like myself, it needs the orange uh, parking bays. Another, say, if you made them green or whatever colour. But there were disabled parking bays, but just a normal size mm-hmm. of a parking bay. That way, you get far more uh, parking bays in the same amount of space that you've got. And it would generate a, uh, more parking space. And it would allow people with disabilities still to be close to where they're going, but not necessarily having to make larger parking bays for them. Do you think, um, if, if you're, as you're saying, that um, more people are going to be um, uh, qualifying, if you like, for a blue mm-hmm. badge, do you think there, there's a, a need for a possibility of a two-tier system on the blue badges? Maybe a blue badge and a green badge? Or a blue yeah, badge. well, if, you, if yeah. you were bringing in the parking bays, and obviously there'd be an initial cost and inconvenience but in the longer term it might help 
if there's a two-tier one, that if you are, say, in a wheelchair or there's other people not necessarily in a wheelchair but still need a wider parking uh, bay to get in and out of the car, if they were getting, say, the blue badge and the other uh, people who needed to get a parking bay close to where they were going but not necessarily a larger parking bay, get a green badge mm-hmm. and it would create more parking bays within any given space. Good suggestion, and the good thing about it is it comes from someone who's experienced it, you know, not somebody sitting mm-hmm. in an office deciding yep. what's going to happen. Um, it's good to have somebody who, who feels... And you do, are there times, I would imagine there are, because you, you've, you've been saying that, are there are times that you turn up and you just can't get a bay at all? Yes, that, that is, that is and needed and for there you. May well be, there may well be uh, able-bodied bays, but I literally can't get out of the car once I park because I need a wide enough bay for my wheelchair to sit beside the car for me to transfer. Mm -hmm. It's a good suggestion, John. Thank you very much indeed for that. Hopefully uh, those in in, uh, uh, government who make these decisions or in health boards can take note of that. Thank you, John. Isabel's in Cooper. Hello, Isabel. Hello. Um, Thankfully, I haven't had to use nine wheels for a long time, but I'm pretty sure that the staff pay for car parking. Yeah. So, uh-huh. um, I have a niece who's a nurse. I can't get a hold of her to get my hundred percent, but I'm sure she pays so much a year. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying they don't. Um, that's in Nine Wells. I understand that. Uh-huh. Uh, but there is a campaign so d- to to have the car parking charges at Nine Wells abolished, um, and and that's what's happened at other hospitals, and it's right. ca- and it, and it's created a problem. Because well, I guess people are just yeah, because people I, think well, I can park there all day and, and not worry I can about go it. Wait, I can go away shopping. Indeed, and yeah. I can, oh, I, I, as I say, I know I've uh, I've been at Nine Wells and Kirkcaldy, and it's atrocious. Thankfully, I have a husband who could just drop me off. Right, right. You but know in, what I mean? Yeah. And then I phone him wherever he is. He just comes and gets you. It's not everybody has that. Absolutely not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Aye. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Isabel. Um, I also read just recently that there was um, uh, staff who used to have car parking passes have had them terminated. Um, and, and again, you know, that's people turning up to work. And, and as our nurse said earlier on the report there, she's going home at 10 o'clock at night in the dark. It's a very difficult situation. But love to hear from you, as I say, if you have a point to make on that. 033-2020-401 is the number. Back on the phone lines. Good morning, Anne. How are you? And very well, thank you. Jolly good. Um, you sound as though you're in a, an echo or a toilet at the moment. <laughs> are you? No, in... I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the car with my friend. All right, okay. So what's your point then? I think when Ali, when they're building all these big state-art hospitals, why do they not build a multi-storey car park onto them? Mm-hmm. And that would save uh, any amorphity, but still make people charge. My friend, she's got a wee girl who's severely disabled and in a wheelchair. And uh, we've got to put the ramp down three metres at the back. And some of these hospitals that we go to, you can't even get the ramp out. You've got to take her out onto the main road to get the ramp out to actually get her out the van to take her up to the hospital. Right. As, that's really the point that John was making as well just a few moments ago there. And and he's got he's a paraplegic, as he said, and, and uh, he, he's saying the same thing, you know, that there's just not enough room um, 
for the, the ramps. Uh, uh, when they build hospitals, when they're building new hospitals, they, they seem to be taking into account extra parking. But it's, it's hospitals that have been around for a while, I think, that are a problem as well, Anne, because as, you know, as more and more of the services get centralised into one area, uh, you're asking people to travel further to go to the hospital. When they get there, they can't get parked anywhere. Well, it is because see, we live we live away actually out in the country, and when we we've got about twenty two miles to thirty five miles to either hospital, right? And when we get there, it, we can't get parked. It's unbelievable sometimes. And of course, taking public transport, which seems to be uh, sometimes uh, trundled out without people actually thinking if it's possible for everybody to take. Um, well, see, where we, where we stay out in the country, Ali, we have got no buses on a Sunday. Right. And our last bus on a Saturday is six o'clock. So what, we have got no alternative than to take a car. So do the public transport companies just think that in your area you just go indoors on a Saturday night and don't come out again till Monday? That's more or else it, Ali, yes. So what's it's this? Absolutely shocking. What's the solution then? Build bigger car parks, obviously. When they're building these new hospitals, build multi-storey car parks on. I we don't mind paying because I think everybody's got to pay their fair share of it. Build multi-storey car parks, but also make bits for disabled with ramps. So you would be in favour on the, in the hospital car parks at the moment that are free you would be in favour of bringing back parking meters and charging people for parking? Yes, certainly. OK, Anne, thank you very much indeed for that. Do you agree with that? Is is that the way to go, to stop people parking in car parks all day, uh, in hospital car parks? You know, is it time to, to have a look at it again? I mean, Jean Freeman, the uh, health secretary, was saying that they abolished car parking charges. That was something the SNP did, and they got on board with that on, in most of the hospitals. I must also uh, always um, emphasise that not every hospital, I think there's three across Scotland, that's still charged due to them being uh, uh, contracted out to, to other companies. Um, but is it time to look at that again? You know, it's... it's it's all very, it's a good, we've made car parking free in hospitals. That sounds very good. It's an, you know, a good, feel-good statement. But is it practical? 033-2020-401 is the telephone number. You can text your comments and the text number is 61054. Start your message with Ali or you can email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. Scotland's talking and we'll continue taking your calls and thoughts on hospital parking. But I also want to talk about the European elections. Um, last week, politicians have been grappling with the outcome of the European elections, which saw some remarkable swings in support. So, if you switched parties, give me a call and tell me why. Scottish Labour saw its share plummet from a quarter of the vote back in 2014 to less than 10%. The SNP was even more dominant, hoovering up more than one in three votes, while Nigel Farage's Brexit party finished second to a resurgent Lib Dems who'd run on a clear anti-Brexit manifesto. So, were you among those who switched sides? Tony Blair's former spin doctor Alistair Campbell did, and now he's been kicked out of the Labour Party for admitting it. What the rules say is about supporting other parties and other candidates. Now, uh, I made clear I don't believe I've voted 
against the Labour Party. I believe I'm voted in the best interest of what the Labour Party should be doing. And I think it's particularly sad uh, and disappointing that this comes on a day when actually, finally, the Labour Party seems to be trying to move to what I would define as a sensible, credible, coherent position on Brexit. And so, and I, you know, added to which, I don't want to be treated any different to anybody else. But I think that there are people in Jeremy Corbyn's office, in senior positions in Jeremy Corbyn's office, who have uh, recommended voting against the Labour Party. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn himself has, for reasons best known to himself, in the past congratulated George Galloway on defeating a Labour candidate. Uh, so I think it's, it's, it's a question of, you can interpret the rules in all sorts of different ways. But one thing I know is I'm not going to you know, leave the party uh, just because some random email comes in telling me that I've been expelled. So I'll definitely appeal against it. And the Brexit party says it will put up candidates for the next Scottish Parliament election in 2021. That 10% share of the vote they got in the European elections could get them quite a few MSPs on the regional lists. Would you vote for Nigel Farage's party for Holyrood? So Brexit has thrown up various things. And, and, and you know, what amazed me was that if you look at the Scottish Labour Party, in Scotland in particular, I know that they're not doing well UK-wise, but it's not that long ago that Labour were the top dogs in all parts of Scotland. You know, it's, I mean, I was brought up in Fife and, and you know, it's, it was total Labour. What has happened? So if you used to vote Labour, your dad voted Labour, you know, or whatever, and you've changed this time round, tell me why. And what would Scottish Labour have to do to get you back on board? Or was the Brexit vote just a bit of a, a Brexit protest for you? Did you use it as a protest vote thinking it wasn't going to matter anyway? So if you've swapped parties, why did you swap parties? And what would it take to get you back on board? I just wonder if, if some of the members of Scottish Labour have given up. Surely they can't just give up. And I say that because I was reading uh, a, an article um, from Alan Crow. Alan Crow is the editor of the Five Free Press, which, to my mind, is one of the best local papers um, because it, it really is in the community. Lots of uh, local papers have come and gone, got worse, etc., just because of the way uh, it, things go. But the Five Free Press still manages to be in there with the community. And I'm just reading a bit of his editorial. And he says, regarding the election results, he was talking about being at the results, a tip of the hat to the SNP, who were on the ball all night with regular visits to the media gallery with the latest on how the count was going and we were able to discuss the election in more detail with them. And here's the thing. He continues, zero marks to Labour, who had nothing to say didn't once pop into the media gallery and were out so fast after the result it was impossible to get any response from them. Poor stuff, chaps. Poor stuff, he says. So if those who are standing, um, and I hope, Alan, you don't mind me quoting you, but it's, you know, if the Labour people who are at the election results can't be bothered talking to the media, have they given up? Have you given up as a Labour supporter? Or indeed, did you switch from the Tories to somewhere else? Or indeed, 
Did you swap over SNP? If you did swap your vote, why did you swap it? And what would you do? What would they have to do to get you back again? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. That's the number. Come and join us. Scotland's talking the podcast. Sue, thank you very much indeed for getting in touch. It says, morning, Ali. Uh, re-hospital car parking. Yes, it can be a nightmare at times. Recently spent a lot of time visiting a patient in Hermeyer's Hospital, East Kilbride. You were stressed out before you even got in, trying to find a space. Did find out from a staff member that quite a few people were using it as a sort of park and ride for the train station opposite. Really, how selfish can some people be? When something is free, there is always some that will abuse it. That's very true, isn't it? Uh, Sue, thanks for getting in touch. Um, and, I, and I think, actually, that was something also the, the health secretary did mention when uh, she was talking to her earlier on regarding this, that uh, people using it as, as a sort of um, those that free car parks, using it as a park and ride, that they need to try and find some way that uh, this can not happen and it would free up a lot of spaces. Thanks, Sue. Uh, William is in Dumfries. Hello to William. How are you? Come on, Neolly. You should surely can. My voice be new. Didn't be quite torn. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> How are you? How are you, Ali? I'm, I'm good, fine. thank you. Good, good. Right. What do you think then? What are you on about? We need to stay in Europe, Ali. Right. Why? It's a plain and simple reason. That's where your money comes from. Again, Europe, we pay a lot of money into Europe. But if we come out of Europe... I don't want to be bringing in food to America. Now, bottom line, all the way here, you know, the famous Prime Ministers we've ever had in Theresa May. Nicola Sturgeon's is lost. She knows that we have to stay in Europe, Ollie, and we can't go gone away to England. We are part of the United Kingdom. We have to stay solid with England. The same way as we did in 1939 and 1914. The reason why we went into Europe, Ali, was to stop wars. Not to start them all over again, Ali. So we hit his back, the Prime Minister. She's got a poison chalice after David Cameron. And to be honest with you, Ali, we've never seen that man since it. But, but she accepted what you're saying is the poison chalice. She, she went for the job. She got the job. And... She's basically been fired. No, Ollie. She was anti-Brexit. She wanted to stay in Europe. Yes. She taken on a poison chalice. She was the only one capable of dealing with it. The only one. If she was the only one that was capable of dealing with it, William, why hasn't she? Because we've got too many vipers in Westminster. Boris Johnson, Reese, Mogg. They're, they're a pit for vipers against that lady, Ollie. She's fighting for her country and survival, and these vermin are stabbing her in the back every cut and turn, Ollie. But she has quit, let's face it, William. She's quit. She's, she's had enough. Did you not see her face? She was greeting. She's fighting for her country, Ollie. She's greeting everybody. He's needs sympathy. And you think she deserves sympathy, do you? I really do. That woman is an angel. She's fighting for our country. France needs us to stand strong against Germany. If we come out of Europe, Germany will start over again, the same as it was a hundred years ago, Ali. 
Do you want to get them that sort of power, Ollie? Well, it's interesting. I must admit, Willie, um, I've never heard Theresa May described as an angel. But thank you for your comments. O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. Another Willie now. Willie Tracy. Good morning. Good morning, Ollie. Yes, Theresa May, the angel. <laughs> My word, I've heard it all now. Must be a full moon in Dumfries, I think. <laughs> oh, more than a full moon. What's that man drinking? <laughs> That's t- uh, now, come on. We we always say that this programme is about opinions. Yeah, and everybody that, has theirs, and that was Williams. Yeah, quite outlandish. Um, back to why I phoned Ali. I am, uh, a, well, I was a Labour supporter right up until 2014. And the thing that changed me, obviously, was the referendum for Scotland to become independent. I watched Labour MPs bend over backwards with their Tory friends to tell lies and to tell all sorts of, make all sorts of outlandish statements, frighten pensioners, frighten folk, and basically just turn their back on their own country. Uh, And I, I said then that I would never vote in a national election for Labour again as long as they are a unionist party. Simple and straightforward as that. I voted for them in local elections, which I'll continue to do, mm-hmm. but as far as national elections, I um, I call myself now a tactical voter. So you go with what you feel is the right way to go at that time, is that what you're saying? made a definite decision that as long as Labour are a unionist party are aligning themselves with Westminster in Scotland, I will not give them my vote in a national election. Right. That's as simple and straightforward as that. And I watch the the Labour Party drain away in Scotland and I, I, I really hurt when I see that because there, the, there are, it's obvious there are so many people like me who want to vote Labour, but their conscience won't allow them to vote Labour and the, 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 with their current stance on the union. And Labour in Scotland, there are Labour supporters in Scotland who want independence, but Labour will not accommodate them. So if you had a message to give to Richard Leonard, the uh, leader of the Labour Party in Scotland this morning. What would it be? Stop denying the obvious. The obvious is that the people of Scotland want independence. But they don't. That's not what they voted for. They voted against... No, 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 Yes, yes, yes. Officially, the outcome of the referendum was no. But if that's analysed and get back... Uh, a, a lot of that, that's why I have this anger now against Labour, some Labour men that I admired previously, because they worked against their own country. Telling lies. Gordon Brown's vow. How awful was that? That, to put on the front page of a national so-called newspaper, the rubbish that was put on there... And knowing that nothing of that vow would come about, 
that that just says it all for me about a politician that can do that. Okay, Willie, I'm going to have to stop you there just because I need to get up to the news. Thank you very much indeed for your comments. Keep them coming in regarding uh, your tactical voting or or whichever way. We're also talking about hospital parking. In the next hour, we'll be asking, do we need better trained taxi drivers? And also, there's a new crime wave in parts of Scotland. Hundreds of wheelie bins are being stolen. Where are they going? You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. Let me just uh, catch up on a couple of social media comments that are coming in regarding the subjects we've been talking about so far on the programme, and that's been hospital parking and also the Brexit elections. And, of course, uh, following on from that, what made you change party if you did and what would make you change back? Uh, here's one that says, uh, voted Nigel as always. I used to go uh, with Labour until now as Jeremy is as weak as the tea I'm drinking. Jim, thank you very much for that. Uh, and of course, that was another comment that uh, um, Nigel Farage's party have said they're going to put people up in the next uh, uh, UK elections, which would mean, of course, that they would stand uh, for uh, Holyrood. And I'm asking, would you vote for Nigel Farage's party for Holyrood? And uh, there, Jim's saying he would. Uh, here's another one that comes in from Jordi. He says, uh, a Remain voter and a Labour voter and believer in democracy. I voted for the Brexit party because it was the only party that hadn't turned its back on democracy. Thank you for that. Right, uh, Josephine, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How are you? I'm tickety-boo. How's yourself? Not too bad, pal. Good. My point that I really want to make, Ali, is regarding the Labour Party. Okay. The Labour Party will never, ever get anywhere with Jeremy Corbyn. But what annoys me more than anything is that they allow Tony Blair and Brown, Gordon Brown, to get in on things. I never want to see the men's faces again. I don't want to hear what they're spouting. And Gordon Brown is the biggest bloody waffer that's around. He waffles. He waffles. He waffles. He waffles. And how anybody could listen to any of the two men making a comment, I do not know. Tony Blair should emigrate and go to the Middle East. Gordon Brown should pick a big, big, big hole and jump into it. It's not very nice. Amen. Sorry, Ali, they men caused the Labour Party so much trouble they should never be heard of again. But hang on a minute. The the, the voters in this country voted them in, into to government time and time again. Yes, but we soon learn our lesson. I'll tell you why they did that. I am a very, very... I was a very, very staunch Labour Party member. My mum always said the Labour Party was the working men's party. Right? I would never in my life vote Conservative. I vote for the SNP. This is my country. These are my people. I fly my flag. Thank you very much indeed, Josephine. Uh, Let's go back to car parking. Uh, Anonymous, this one. Am I missing something, it says here in this email. Car park one. Staff staff and consultants. One pound a day to cover costs, etc. Car park two. Patients, disability, £2 per day, policed and monitored. Car park three, all visitors, etc., £3 a day, policed and monitored. Most hospitals have fields around to extend parking. Surely it wouldn't take much 
to extend the parking. And surely as well, Mr or Mrs Anonymous, I would have thought that they would get the money back if they implemented uh, a minimum charge. They would get the money back for the, the, the cost that they've put out to do the parking. Thanks for that. Uh, let's go to Catherine next. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Ali. I'm Ali. You're Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's one of those days. Oh, don't I, don't I know? Don't I know? <laughs> right. Right. Um, what I was going to say is, um, I think it shows that the it's a policy of um, centralisation and building these super hospitals just doesn't work with the parking, you know. And no employer should really be charging their employees for going to their work, let alone a public service one, because public staff and safety should be their priority. I don't get this. I don't get why you think people working for the health service should get free car parking. Well, no other employer usually charges their employees to go yeah, to Yeah, but if, work. If, if you're, if, if you're if, going if to work in a city centre, you're getting charged. Uh, but you're cha- that's you paying a private. Uh, you know, you're going into a private car park or an NCP or one of the other private car But you're parks. still having to park to go to work. There seems to be this thing that we shouldn't charge health board staff, NHS staff. I don't get this. Well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really in favour of that. I don't think you should be charging people, especially a lot of these staff are not getting a, a good salary. Fair enough, some of the consultants, but, but then they've got to... I think there should be a minimum charge. That's what I'm saying. I think there should be a minimum yeah, charge. Well, well, the other thing I was going to say is there's four-hour limit signs in many hospitals that I attend. I think there's been quite a few. And yeah, but what's been done to push that? What's been done to implement that and make well, sure that it's happening? Well, well, they need people to, 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 to police that. But the other thing I was going to say is that can be a worry because my, my mum was in an A&E and my brother-in-law had to go and move the car. So what if you're sitting with your, you know, a relative dying in intensive mm-hmm. care? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know that, um, you know, friends of ours volunteer up at the hospital and because they'd never get back to their car within a few minutes, they did get a parking charge when they were doing, the, the, when they were had people charging. You know, so it's... It, 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 it is difficult. I, I would suggest that they take people take their appointment card maybe to reception and they issue you with a ticket mm-hmm. that you can then go out and display that shows you, you that you're a bona fide person at that hospital. All you need to show your appointment card or name the person that you're going to visit in the ward. Um, I actually had to push my mum in a wheelchair around down the middle of the road because at, at, at Queen Elizabeth the parking is absolutely horrendous. They were all double parked. And yet that's a new pavement. Yeah, that's a new hospital. You would have thought that that would be put into the plans, yeah. wouldn't and, you? And, and there's no direct way through the hospital from where, where where the bus and the taxis drop you at the other end for the out of hours and the Queen, you know, through the and so yet we had to go out and round the outside of the hospital and there's a huge wind tunnel that runs around that hospital. Mm-hmm. It's horrendous. My mum's already been blown off. Feet and, and blown into a, a what do you call it a bus um, thing? bus shelter a bus yeah. shelter a hut. and the taxi drivers as well say they don't even like to drop off there and the other thing is at the Queen Elizabeth they don't have as many buses going down there compared to when it opened mm-hmm. we we had four buses in our area going we now only have two and um, the other thing I was going to say is NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde used to do a night visiting service where they went and picked up people, the elderly and, um, you know, uh, people that were disabled. And, they, you know, there was volunteers that came and took them to hospital to visit their relatives and they stopped that. So all in all, it's not getting any easier? Well, I don't... Somebody needs to have a rethink. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, 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 and to do that, they need to consult the people that use the service. That's the probably what, the yeah. And they don't do that. That's it, what I was it, saying. It's a that manager that does it. Happens so many times, isn't it? Somebody sits at a desk and says, let's move this without actually talking to the people. And, and, and that came through from John earlier on in East Kilbride, who was a paraplegic and talking about uh, the, the disabled spaces oh. and car parks not being wide enough for him to get out in a wheelchair. I mean, it was like the point I made to the, the health secretary the other week there when she was on the call. And I mean, I go to these consultations, but I mean, I've been going to them for over 14 years. Nothing ever happens. I was going to say, do you ever never think about giving up because they're not listening to you, Catherine? No, they're not listening. No, no. they're not listening to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of people I know have already given up who had good ideas. And that's, that, that's a pity. OK, Catherine, thank you very much indeed. You mentioned taxi drivers there, which leads me nicely onto our next subject. Do we need better trained taxi drivers? Now, Scotland's biggest city, Glasgow, is going to make every cabbie sit an exam from next year. What I'm asking now is, have a listen to this and tell me, do you think this should be rolled out across Scotland for all taxi drivers? Sure that we've, um, and I'm not having a dig at taxi drivers here. This is a fact, you know, that complaints have gone up and um, we'll see what you think. They'll be tested on nine things, including how well they know their way around the city and their customer service skills. The council's licensing board has decided to take action because complaints about taxi drivers have more than doubled in the last five years to over a 1,000. And there was a case where one man applying for a licence couldn't even identify the city chambers and he was in a building that looks out over George Square at the time. Now, even existing cab drivers will have to sit the test and it will cost them up to £400 a time. Councillor Alex Wilson is the convener of the Licensing Committee on Glasgow City Council. Uh, Councillor, a very good morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ali. No problem at all. Now, here, you know, uh, there's a couple of things here um, that I, I think... Is it is it the fact that you have had an increase in complaints that you're thinking this is something that we have to do? What is the main thing that you think that there is a problem with taxi drivers? I mean, in general, I don't think there's a, an overall uh, feeling that we have a bad service out there from drivers, but we have had a, a large number of complaints, and if complaints are on the increase, um, I mean, for me, the overall riding factor is we had a customer care course, which I felt was out of date and wasn't no longer fit for purpose, so we had to look at a newer model um, for taxi drivers going forward. But that, in conjunction with the complaints... We have looked at a, a new way of delivering training for drivers, and I think it's only fair that our drivers are given a proper training. Um, just to pick up on a couple of things you, you did say there, Ali, um, when it comes to you know not knowing where Glasgow is in the city chambers, that's happened on more than one occasion in front of me at licensing, and uh, it's very disappointing that our own drivers don't even know I wouldn't say all our own drivers, but there was one or two that didn't even know where the city is. Mm. And also, you picked up on the cost there. Um, the cost hasn't actually been set yet, so it, it may not be as much as £400 uh, for the taxi drivers to get this um, course. Has that figure been mentioned then? Is that why I've got that sitting in front of me? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the figure has been mentioned that it could be... There is a, a you know, 
one or two of the existing operators out there willing to do the course for free. Um, so that may also be looked at, but we're still very much now um, looking at the whole overall picture with that and to see what providers come forward. Taxi drivers can quite often be the first point of contact for visitors to, to any city. So it really is important that the licensing committees across Scotland, including Glasgow, obviously, uh, get it spot on, I would have thought. I mean, I, I use taxis uh, occasionally and use Glasgow's quite a lot and, and others as well. Um, and it, I, I can see where the sometimes the customer service skills come into it. What is, what is the general, is there, is there a general complaint that you get about? I mean, do people like just complaining anyway? I wouldn't say people just like complaining. I mean, I would say that we get we do get complaints over drivers, but it's mostly over picking up um, when they're not already pre-booked. It's more pirating issues. There is issues with regards to um, we've had in front of us recently as well, where a driver has refused to take uh, a person with a guide dog or um, a person in wheelchair access. Now, that, for me, is exceptionally disturbing because our public need to be you know, safe in the mind that they can get from A to B, whether they are fully able-bodied or they do have some form of disability. But also, mental health is also an increase as well with, um, with people, and it's also a concern of mine. And I would like to see that our taxi drivers are able to deal with all patrons who get into their taxis. Mm. Callum Anderson represents cab drivers for the Trade Union Unite. He also joins us uh, this morning. Callum, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Good, yes. What is the the uh, Unite's position on this then, uh, as far as taxi drivers sitting uh, a test? Well, obviously there is a problem. Um, as Councillor Wilson alluded to, the complaints have more than doubled. Um, while the, the problem isn't so prevalent with taxis so much as um, the private hires, there is undoubtedly a problem out there. We're seeing it all the time in the streets. We get feedback from customers. Um, and a lot of the time it doesn't show us in a good light. And I think as Councillor Wilson alluded to, taxis and private hires are very often the first point of contact and the last point of contact that people have with the city. And, you know, these people could be somebody looking to you know, arrange a conference and so on and so forth. And really it's important that they go away with a, a good impression of Glasgow. Mm. And and from this then, I take it you think this is a reasonably good idea because, as you say, uh, they are the, 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 you know, the, the people that sometimes can give a good or a bad impression of, of the city of Glasgow or of, of, of any city. Um, what do you think about the general cost of it? How will your members feel that if, if let's say, it was around the, the £400 mark? If it was around the £400 mark, and it has to be remembered that nobody has come out with a price for the course yet. That is nothing but an estimate. Right. Um, the likes of us, the, the Glasgow Cap section of Unite, uh, we are aiming to do what they did in Dundee, and that would be to offer it to all our members free of charge. So from our point of view, the cost isn't too much of a concern. Um, other private hire companies that were involved with uh, the consultation they were talking to themselves about trying to arrange something, you know, with their drivers for loyalty. And then, of course, one of the biggest companies uh, such as out there at the moment is Uber. And, um, you know, it has to be remembered that Uber, you know, it's been deemed at uh, two employment tribunals that all their drivers are actually workers. So 
one would think that a multinational such as them would be offered to pay for training for all their workers. Mm-hmm. So is the industry then in a bit of a turmoil or do you think it's it's in the right direction and, and why are we getting more complaints? Oh, I think we're going in the right direction now. Um, it has to be remembered the Scottish um, government actually made provisions from this uh, back in 2015 for nationwide training. And to be fair, Glasgow City Council has to be absolutely applauded. They're the ones that have actually grasped the nettle and decided to do something about it. Obviously, we're the largest city in Scotland, and you know the problem there probably is greater than anywhere else. Councillor Wilson, where does it go from here then? What do you ultimately want to see from your taxi drivers in the city of Glasgow? Um, well, for me, I basically want to see everyone be able to know the rules and terms and conditions of the licence, which is something we find on a regular basis. I wouldn't say so much with our black hat drivers, but more the private hire sector. They don't seem to know their terms and conditions. I want to see a better standard. I want to see them still being the, the first face that people see. And I also want to make sure that um, everyone gets from A to B and has a smile on their face at the end of their journey and the complaints go down. And, and also, um, Callum, just what uh, the councillor said there, that should surely be the aim of the union as well, is, is to, to make sure that everybody knows what the regulations are that they're supposed to be working to. Could you explain that? Sorry, did you say the end of the union? No, no, I said it must be the aim of the union. Oh, absolutely. Um, nobody, I mean, how could anybody possibly object to education and raising standards? You know, it's a win-win both for the taxi trade, the private hire trade, and, of course, the council. And is it something um, that, you know, you talked about uh, another city, Dundee there, that um, uh, rolled out the um, the training free of charge? Um, is this this whole taxi exam thing, would it be, in, in Unite's uh, view, is it something that should be rolled out across the whole of Scotland? I would say absolutely. It's, um, as I said, education can never be considered a bad thing. And, you know, the amount of complaints that we have in Glasgow at the moment, uh, in my opinion, is just the tip of the iceberg. These are the ones that, you know, are basically getting reported. I mean, the, the, the Glasgow enforcement team for the council do a great job, but, uh, you know, there's been an exponential rise in the number of private hires over the last few years, mm-hmm. but there haven't had been an increase in the staff. And I would... Basically, I would dread to think what levels of complaints we'd go to. I think that Councillor Wilson and his licensing team would be running a night court, to be perfectly honest, you know, if they were, if they were suitably manned. Mm. Callum, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Callum Anderson represents the cab drivers uh, for the Trade Union Unite. And uh, also, Councillor Alex Wilson, thank you very much indeed for joining us as well, convener of the License Committee on Glasgow City Council. So, do you think it's something that should be rolled out where you are? Uh, what do you think of your service in wh- whatever part of Scotland you're in this morning? Is the service good enough from taxi drivers? Uh, your thoughts? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. Scotland's talking the podcast. Subjects we've been talking about so far 
Uh, we've been looking at uh, hospital car parking. If you've been a patient or indeed you work for the NHS, love to hear your experience and we've been hearing quite a few about that. The Scottish Tories say it's time for the Scottish Government to launch a nationwide review. We've also been looking at the Euro elections, European elections last week and asking if you've switched parties uh, to tell me why and what it would take to get you going back to the party uh, that uh, you've maybe voted for for many, many years. Um, Nigel Farage says he's going to put some uh, politicians or some people up for uh, the next general election. So would you vote for Nigel Farage party for Holyrood? And also the question we're just asking there, do we need better trained taxi drivers? We've still got to talk about wheelie bins. They'll be up in a couple of minutes. Eric, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, Ollie. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, good. Um, taxi drivers. In Dundee, we were sent on a course, an SVQ course. The council asked us to do that. Um, we done it. We went through the courses. This is to make me a professional taxi driver. Right. Or help on that way. Maybe it worked. <laughs> Maybe it didn't. It didn't. But anyway, the, the point I'm making is the taxi test in Dundee are a joke. Taxi, some taxi drivers coming to trade in Dundee don't know where anything is. They don't know what they're doing. They're going wrong routes. They're overcharging. It's just a nonsense. Now, you've got these companies, taxi academies, coming in and saying, we're going to train you to be a professional taxi driver. That doesn't actually work because basically, let's just say that they might have previous knowledge of the taxi tests. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for a lot of these guys to pass a taxi test being given that type of knowledge. One example for me was I got in a taxi in an area in Dundee and I asked him to take me home to the area that I was living in and he didn't even know how to get there. Never mind. Postcode, sat-nav, a lot of them were asking postcodes all the time. It's the only way they could drive a yeah, taxi. Yeah, yeah. It's an absolute nonsense. How could a stranger come to Dundee and know where there's any postcodes? Mm. I mean, do you know the postcode of a local bar? Well, a bar a mile and a half away or an attraction somewhere else. It's just nonsense in Dundee. Basically, the taxi test, it was meant to be a choice of multiples. They had in place a taxi test that was fairly thorough. The problem was they binned it because it was too hard for applicants to get through. Now, don't get me wrong. If a guy does a test, that's fine by me. That's absolutely great. Every time I get a factory closing, we get another 100, 200 taxi drivers. Yeah. Over-provision in Dundee, over-provision of taxis, okay, that's my gripe. I'll tell you what, the standard of driving after these guys have went through an SVQ course is just nonsense. Mm. I I sort of back some of what you're saying there, having experienced uh, a few. Um, <laughs> I must admit, I, I'd, I'd won... It's a joke, are Yeah, uh, well, some... No, I wouldn't say it's a, a okay, joke. Fine. You, you, you right. do get the good taxi drivers. Of but course, I, you, me. I'm one of them. I'm, you're I'm, one of them, right, OK. And, and other guys, the, the thing is... We treat this as a profession, and we try and be as good as possible. Some guys won't even get you the car to help granny. And That's it. As we yeah. do courses, some people run them off with disabled people in wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a nonsense. But one problem we've got is, like, I've had the, the officers out there, the licensing standard officers out there a bit more, are checking up on some of these guys and what they're up to. Uh, well, maybe that would help. Mm-hmm. Is, is the the line that I like in the um, in, in Glasgow's is that looking at this is, they'll be tested on nine things, including their customer service skills. And some taxi drivers of taxis that I get into, um, 
customer service skills are minus zero. You absolutely. know, they're absolutely appalling. They're 20, 30, below zero. I mean, they're, 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 it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and certain guys just don't want to help pensioners. They don't want, like I said, they, they don't want to go out of their way to offer that service to people. And they're asked to do this by the council and all the rest. Unfortunately, the council don't have real tabs on. Well, they get a lot of complaints from people, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But so do you, do, you, do you think then, as a taxi driver, do you think that Glasgow are taking the right direction here? Anyway, if Glasgow do it, yes. Um, if, if they want to have a professional service, in the, but here's the thing, though. They could go and do their courses, and then they've been it in two seconds. After they walk out, there with a visa certificate. Mm-hmm. It just gets through in the bin. Um, it's just like sitting your driving test. You just forget all about it as soon as you pass your test. But, um, uh, but like sitting your driving test, should you not, with the experience, get better? Yes, but then again, you could develop habits as well. Bad, what is bad habits, good habits? So I was, yes, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but a lot of people, just a rule book goes out the window. Uh, but and, and going back to dancing, I think that uh, going down the right road, that's fine. What we, what we don't want in, in the taxi trade, well, is the guys that come in, they're after a fast buck. They're out there to do what they do. They're not going to be anybody as long as they make as much money as possible. Um, but that's the way the world is supposed That's it, yes. Eric, thank you very much indeed for your call. Thanks for that. Uh, go to John, our resident taxi driver. Good morning, John. Good morning, Ali. How are you, my friend? I'm all right, thank you. So, what do you think of the proposal, then? Well, Ali, the problem that we have in the city of Glasgow, and I am one of them that was getting brought down private hire driver, is that when someone walks into Glasgow City Council for a badge, it doesn't matter whether they can speak English or not, and I'm not being racist here, but it doesn't matter whether they can speak English or not, they're given a badge. Companies are forced to employ them, because if they don't employ them, they're classed as racist and they can lose their badge and they can lose their licence for trade. So they have to employ them. Now, they're going out in the city, they're going out in cars, they're not, they're, they can't read the road signs, they're not sure about the road signs, customers are coming into the car, and the first thing they're saying to them is postcode. They're handing them their phone or whatever, and they put in the postcode. And they can't have a conversation with the customer. Now, that is not right. We, we as taxi drivers, I'm proud to be a private hire driver. I've been a private hire driver for 22 years. Uh, they tried to do a course before, uh, a courtesy course. Made us all go on it, made us pay for it. See, the gentleman that was taking the course, he was a steward from the doors. He'd never drove a taxi in his life, Ali. Really? And they yes. Ha- <laughs> right, OK. That doesn't surprise so me. He was, he was trying to tell us how to be courteous in a car. I know how to be courteous in a car. I have my regular customers that you get. When you work the same area, Ali, you get your regular customers. I speak to you on the, the telephone on a regular basis. Do I sound like the guy that would give somebody a hard time or be nasty to somebody? I love my job and I love communicating with the public. But... This is becoming a major problem when you're getting into your car and they're saying, oh, drive, John, I got a driver last night and he didn't know where the Royal was and mm-hmm. he didn't know where this was. Now, they talk about the knowledge. The knowledge to me for 
for Black Hagney drivers is a farce because you've got satellite navigation now. And, there's and, no need for the, Yeah, but a, a lot of people depend, to, depend so much on sat now, don't they? As you say, give you a postcode. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I mean, uh, I, I have friends who are Black Hackney drivers and I, as a ta- private hire driver, I've had Black Hackney drivers stop me in the street and say, oh, where's this street or where's that street? It's all right knowing the city, Ali, but there's that many streets and new schemes getting built all over the place. You forget. Mm-hmm. The sat-nav doesn't forget. Do you know what I mean? Right. The point I'm trying to make is that they're testing somebody to know if they know the city and they've got a box in front of them that can take them wherever they want to go. Okay, so, John, make your last point, please. Right, really, what, I, what I'm saying is, Ali, is that there've got to be certain levels to drive in a car for the public. And one of these certain levels is a good knowledge and standard of the English language. Which is what hopefully uh, this test would actually do. Uh, Graham, good morning. Hi, good morning, Ali. Um, I was just phoning, I was listening to your talk in there, and the, the point I'd like to make is, is how, how do a lot of these uh, drivers, how are they getting disclosure badges? Mm-hmm. How, how do you get a disclosure on somebody for the, for the middle of, um, say, Iran, Somalia? How do you get a disclosure badge with, with these people? How does that work? I'd like an answer on that because I've not been able to get one. Right, well, I, I, I don't have an answer. I don't know enough about it, uh, Graham. to be quite honest with you. But you obviously concer- you, you're concerned about it. Is it something that you've come up against? Yes, I'm, I'm a taxi driver myself, right, and I'm right. hearing maybe I hear I hear two complaints a day about about foreign drivers. That's the only way I can put it. Um, you, you don't know which way to put it nowadays, Ali. I know. Care to be branded or eight. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But, but but that is the, but that's the fact of the matter. I've had, I mean, even in our office, I mean, we've got a serious problem with it. The fella before was saying their offices are being forced into employing them. I think offices are just taking them in because all, every driver pays, Ali. We right. all pay to work in these places. Uh, I see. An office saying no, a turkey voting for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So they, so it, so it's very hard to get rid of them as well because the office they can make multiple mistakes, but they're, they're not clearing them out. It, surely, though, it's, you know... I mean, chance and you can't talk to the council. You're, you're wasting your time. I just think that, you know, yeah. if someday Graham is going for a taxi licence uh, to work in wherever, whatever city it is, you know, whether it's Barcelona or whether it's, you know, Dunfermline, it doesn't matter. You surely should be able to speak the language and know your way around that area. Surely those are two things that should be at the top the list. Thank you, Graham. Janice, how are you? Hello, good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. I had a couple of friends that came around for lunch and one of them, when they were leaving, one ordered a Uber taxi and uh, decided then to give my other friend a drop her off on the way home. And uh, the taxi arrived and when they got in, well, one of my friends got in and she said the next address, drop, the first drop-off address would be blah, blah. And he, he said, well, where is that? And it's just off Broughton Street, so it's not difficult. So anyway, my friend was in the taxi. The other one was getting in. I walked out to say cheerio to them. And the other one, my other friend, the second one, opened the door. The taxi driver started to drive off. Now, she's hanging on to the door and got her left foot stuck under a tyre. When I rushed to help her, she was just at a hospital after having two operations on her right wrist. 
and we thought it had done major damage. Anyway, she's hanging on to the door as he's trying to drive off. First of all, he didn't know where her address was. And secondly, he said, oh, I thought you were both in the car. I mean, surely not even a taxi driver would help. You know, you would think, well, anybody would turn around and think, right, are you both in? Yeah, that's it. You would check. You would look in the mirror. Both doors closed, you know. Basic basic things, Janice. Exactly. So anyway, she was all right, but I had to drag her. It was just the, she had a sandal on, so it was just the front of her shoe that got stuck. So I had to pull that out. If he had gone two inches more, he would have been over her foot. Crazy. She was so shaken up, and all he could do was apologise. But um, Mm. a very, uh, a very... You know, shocking thing Absolutely. to happen. Very, yeah. very scary, but mm. both ended up okay anyway, but very scary. Janice, thank you very much indeed for your story. Uh, there's also, keep those calls coming, we've got lots of them on taxis and, and car parking and hospitals as well. But there's a new crime wave in parts of Scotland. Hundreds of wheelie bins are being stolen. Police say 500 have gone missing in North Ayrshire alone in the last 12 months. Now, is this just an Ayrshire thing? Or are vanishing wheelie bins a problem where you live too? Do you think it could have anything to do with the changes in the frequency of bin collections? What are your thoughts on that? O Treble 3 2020 401, back in a moment. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Jimmy's in Dunfermline. Jimmy, good morning. Good morning, Ali. Good morning. What's your point? I saw the wheelie bins. Right. And uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, up there I stay, and uh, I'm up at uh, the trenches. Sorry, it's a very bad line, Jimmy. You you wandering around something here, are you? <laughs> You're not in a wheelie bin, are you? No. Uh, well, right. Yeah. Okay, we'll try, uh, try and get uh, the story then. Uh, the story about like, can, uh, all the young ones uh, set fire to the buckets, right? Right. So I said to this old woman, and uh, I said, uh, I said, sorry, it's son. I said, there's the buckets. It's son. Then he bought, just put them up the end of the, the, end of the road. And uh, the, the bucket man will pick them up and they take them up to the refuse pit. I said, those are the buckets. And all the young, all the young people set fire to them, eh? Mm. And then by like, and, uh, and then by I said, uh, to myself, and I ended up getting fined. Sorry, Jimmy, it's getting too difficult to hear you. There's um, lots of echo and stuff on there. But you're you're basically saying that um, it's it's young people that are setting the bins alight uh, in in Dunfermline area. Anyway, I, I was saying that police said 500 had gone missing in North Ayrshire, and asking if it was just a, an Ayrshire thing, uh, could it have anything to do with the changes in the frequency of bin collections? Uh, North Ayrshire recently followed many other councils in moving to a three-weekly cycle. North Ayrshire Council sent us a statement saying that over the last few years there's been a steady increase in the number of bins that have been reported as stolen or have gone missing. Not only is this a criminal offence, it causes huge inconvenience to the residents whose bins are stolen. We have been working with our partners at Police Scotland and Scottish Fire and Rescue to raise awareness of the issue and provide information to residents about how they can ensure their bins are less likely to be targeted. A couple of comments on this on social media. Uh, Kieran's here. You've been watching what's going on on Twitter as well, so we'll come to you uh, in a second. Um, Let's... 
there's one here from Mark, and he says, after our bins went missing, we found them in the, the thick woods between the A90 and the estate. We reported it to the police who retrieved them but heard nothing else. Because if you have had your, your wheelie bin stolen, as I said, it's a, a criminal offence, is it something you've reported? Or do you just go, ah, it doesn't matter? What have you got? Well, Colin on Twitter has been asking the difficult questions. Okay, so 500 are stolen a year. My question is, where are they? Have some people got 40 wheelie bins sitting in their living room, showing them off as trophies to their pals? Is there some underground black market for selling wheelie bins on the cheap? It's a, who knows? A, it's a good business idea, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> no, Karen, it's not. No, no, don't, don't recommend it's that. It's not me. It's no, not me. It's not me. Uh, Karen says, we've had our bins stolen but never reported it to the police. We have put in a request into the council for another uh, wheelie bin nearly two months now and still waiting on it being replaced. That's uh, Dundee City Council. Uh, Graham says, I believe on occasion some bins do fall into the lorries. And Fife Councillor Darren Watt has also commented... Um, he said it's nothing to do with bin changes. In the Cowdenbeath area, we have seen dozens of bins being burnt in the woodlands. Right, so it's a burning issue. Yes, yeah, so obviously some kids are taking the wheelie bins, taking them to the woods and thinking still, it's fun. You know, just 500 in one area in North Ayrshire. And I know it's it's happening where I live as well. Um, you know, people it, running in, stealing the bins and taking them, mm-hmm. taking them away. It can't just be a, a recent issue either. This has been going on for ages. It's, it seems like all of a sudden there's been a... Upturn, yeah. Bins are being stolen. Morai sums it up by saying, "In the grand scheme of things, of all the horrors going on locally, nationally, and internationally, I just can't get worked up about bins. That's because Morai yours hasn't been stolen. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) If it had been stolen, maybe you may have a a different thought on it. Uh, Thanks very much indeed for your comments on bins. There. Let me just." Uh, bring in another couple of comments about other things. We're talking about uh, hospital parking and visiting hospitals, etc. Here's one that comes in from Anne, and she says, in our area, WRVS, Royal Voluntary Service and Red Cross, provide transport to hospital for less able people who are older or disabled. As someone who is on pension credit, I can only get a refund on my cost to hospital if I can afford a car, as I can't get the mileage back, but taxi fares to hospital are not refunded. Uh, if on a low income and eligible. This is the reason that many people are misusing the ambulance and hospital transport when they could use a taxi. Thank you very much indeed. And for that, and uh, another one that's just come in here, uh, it's the blue ones they steal for the special odours they give off. Ask a fireman. Really? (laughs) (laughs) The things you learn. Kids are now using bins, apparently. Yes, because they smell better. Pinch the blue one because they give off a better smell. Okay. (laughs) Have you any more there that you want to to raise? Uh, I may have another one on taxis. Right. Okay. We'll find Um, a few on taxis. Right. Go on then. One person has said, we've all got sat-navs now, so what's the point in spending 200 to 300 pounds on lessons? And... I guess I understand his point, but I guess it's more the customer service side of things that need to be focused on rather than knowing where you're going. Well, that's it for Scotland's talking today. Thank you very much indeed for your calls. Scotland's talking, the podcast.